We're both CEOs of this company and we both oversee the entire company. And a lot of people like to put you in boxes so they understand you, they understand your personality. It's like, okay, no, that's the finance one. Okay, that's the creative one. But we're not kind of box people. We think outside the box. Welcome everybody to In Conversation with Shopify Plus. I'm your host, Jason Buckland, and we welcome you back to a brand new episode of our show where we speak with the very best and brightest in business. This is a special one today because we have not one, but two guests, Heather Hassan and Trina Spear, our co-founders and co-CEOs of FIGS, which even the most distant observer would have to concede is very much having a moment right now. FIGS, of course, is the medical scrub company that has really transformed the way healthcare professionals get dressed for work, not unlike Warby Parker did for eyewear or Casper did for the mattress industry. But if you think that's just a niche business without much relevance to you, think again. FIGS has done so well with revenue deep into the nine figures each year that it did last May what so many direct-to-consumer companies dream of, go public after only eight years in operation. Stick around with us for the next little while because Heather and Trina are going to walk us through precisely how to run the best version of a pop-up store, which Figs has done very successfully in the past. They're going to have a really frank conversation about pricing their products, which getting right can be so hard and such a defining principle for all companies selling goods to consumers who so make up their minds about a brand based on how much its products cost. And that thing we talked about earlier, whether Figs was operating in a niche market or not, Here's Trina Spear explaining just how large the business opportunity actually is when you target a segment and really do it right. In other industries, you're kind of acquiring a new customer and then that's it, right? Or maybe they come back every few years. Our customers are coming back every month, sometimes even sooner than that. In 2020, over 60% of our net revenue was from repeat transactions. I mean, that is really unique as it relates to other apparel or other retail companies or industries. All right, let's bring them in now. We are happy to have two guests on the show today. Heather Hassan had her first phone call to discuss an idea with Trina Spear some 10 years ago on a Monday. By Friday of the same week, Trina had flown to Los Angeles so the two could meet. And what was born from that was Figs, which is a big, big deal in the direct consumer space. Now a public company selling scrubs and other apparel to healthcare professionals. Heather and Trina are co-founders and co-CEOs, and they join us today from their offices in Santa Monica, California. Trina, Heather, we are grateful to have you both. Thank you for joining us on In Conversation with Shopify Plus. Thank you so much, Jason. We're super excited and honored to be here. And we love Shopify. Shopify has been a longtime partner of ours, and we're excited to be here with you. Jason, I think we were number seven in terms of uh, Shopify partners. We started with you guys a very long time ago. So we've been partners for, I want to say, I don't know, like 10 years. Very kind words. Thank you both. Okay, we are going to go back soon enough and try to pull some learnings out of how the two of you have helped grow this company to what it has become over $260 million in revenue last year alone. But there is something of a topical place for us to begin that, if you can believe it, does not directly tie into the pandemic, which of course is something your brand especially has, I'm sure, something to say about navigating through. But we said at the top, Figs is now a public company, and freshly so. Your IPO was just at the end of May 2021, and Figs's share price is doing very well, up comfortably since its debut. 
what will this new influx of resources allow the company to do or do more of that it maybe couldn't before? So we're really focused on innovation. I think that is why this company started, right? To really disrupt an industry that had been around for so long. I mean, healthcare apparel, medical apparel had been around for about a hundred years with no change and no innovation. The product was ill-fitting and uncomfortable and not focused on functionality. The distribution model was broken where manufacturers essentially sold to these retailers and strip malls that then sold to the healthcare professional. And so, you know, we really changed the game and branded an unbranded industry, decommoditized the commodity product and built a community around a profession. So I think going forward, where we focus, we're focused on innovation of our products and continuing to connect with our community of awesome humans, our healthcare professionals. And everyone here at FIGS is just so excited to show up every single day to serve and support, empower and celebrate these amazing people that are currently on the front lines of this pandemic fighting for all of us. Well, I suppose since we are here, we can speak to a few things about FIGS's current state because this is an exciting time for the business. From 2019 to 2020, your customer base more than doubled to 1.3 million. And that revenue number we said earlier, more than 260 million in sales in 2020. That number is up also well more than double from the year earlier. All this, of course, is wrapped up in COVID-19, which saw healthcare workers, your primary customer base, brought into the spotlight in a way perhaps they hadn't ever been before. And your company certainly has shown its gratitude donating huge numbers of scrubs and masks and other personal protective equipment. From an operational lens though, what would you say was the key business learning for your company over the previous 18 months or so? During COVID, I think what we saw was just how much our healthcare professionals, what they were being asked to do. And they all you know, answered that call and decided to dedicate their own lives and sacrifice, many of them sacrificing their own lives to save all of us. And it was our job at FIGS, and we felt this profound responsibility to show up for them. And so I even remember, Heather, what was it in March when we got those calls? My God, it feels like it's 10 years ago, Jason. <laughs> so we're already, like we're like living in the future. But yeah, last year, March 13th was when we got a phone call and it was a, a, a pretty disturbing phone call where a lot of our healthcare professionals, they did not have masks, right? So they were calling us and they were saying, hey, where can I get a mask? Are you guys making masks? Our hospitals are only giving us one mask, if any masks at all. So we're taking our masks, we're putting them in the oven to disinfect it, pulling them out of the oven and then reusing them because we don't have the proper equipment to go and, and, and fight this war on COVID. And literally we got like thousands of phone calls asking us, can you make masks? Do you have masks? We need to be protected. And so we changed up our supply chain a little bit and we started producing K95 masks and, 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 and also cloth masks as well with a filter. But yeah, that was actually really interesting because last year hospitals were saying that we could not give them out to individuals, right? That we can only give them to hospitals. And we were like, well, we're direct to consumer. We have to protect our people because if we're not protecting our healthcare professionals, how are they going to you know, protect the world? And so we just decided to give them free masks. So if they came to our website, you can just add to cart and you got a KN95. So you didn't have to put your mask in an oven to go to work and you had your refills, which was a different business at the time for us. But I think we learned how to be super, super agile. And but I think we are agile. You got to be. Okay. So this is where Figs is today. If it's all right with both of you, I'd love to go back. And Heather, this is a story you've shared before. One day in 2010, you're having coffee with a friend in healthcare. 
and she's got on this big boxy scrubs and there is the light bulb moment for you that there's got to be a better way to outfit our healthcare professionals. You get set up with Trina and you, Heather, have a strong design and fashion background with obviously an entrepreneurial spirit. You'd founded several companies of your own to that point. And Trina comes from Wall Street. She's an MBA, then with the Blackstone Group in New York City. And I'm curious about the early days and the early execution of what FIGS became. What were the ways in which you either divided and conquered or came together on certain matters to get FIGS off the ground in the first place? God, there's so many good stories. I don't even know where to start. Trina and I are are very different. And I think that's the beauty of our partnership, but we do share that same North Star, that same vision of where we want to take this company and how we want to cater to our healthcare professionals and how we want to support them and empower them and celebrate them. So I think by having that same North Star, we're able to divide and conquer. But in the beginning, that was a lot of fun. It still is a lot of fun. I don't, I, I guess in terms of stories, what stories could we tell? Well, we didn't have furniture in our living room and we had scrubs wall to wall and we built a mini warehouse in our living room. And then Heather used to make fun of me because I used to restack all the piles of scrubs every morning and then chase FedEx trucks to get our packages out before when they would come by at 5 p.m. And So Trina would chase right operations, right? Logistics, right? <laughs> Chasing the... <laughs> The, the trucks and when we would miss them, that would be really bummed out because then that's another day that the, that our healthcare professional does not get that package. But that at the time, yeah, that was our, you know, we did share an apartment. We had our warehouse in our in our apartment, part of it. And we sold scrubs out of Heather's car in the early days and yeah. brought coffee yeah. and hot chocolate to our healthcare professionals as they and, were changing. And we still tips. do that today, though. We still do that. Our, right, our entire company now, we have a coffee cart that goes to hospitals and they go at seven in the morning and seven at night during the shift change. And we give out coffee and hot chocolate. So if you're going to your shift, we have a hot cup of coffee. And if you're coming out of your shift, we have a warm cup of hot cocoa. And those little things that they they really they really matter, really counts. But in the beginning, yeah, I mean I still do in terms of design and product. I love product and we have an amazing CPO that oversees our entire product team now, but you know, pretty hands-on on our physical product. And I think that's really important, right? As you grow and as you scale, it's still very important to be hands-on on on what you do and be close to your customer. And I think that Tree and I both share that sensibility to do that. So the world of medical scrubs, as you've described it, is this faceless kind of world without much personality. And a phrase you have used, Trina, is that you set out to create a brand in a brandless industry. Your competitors then and now are these large-scale sort of no-name producers of scrubs with decades of experience and rather unobjected to market share historically. What are the unique challenges to building a brand that's out to make a splash in a space without historically much flair or attraction to it? I mean, it's back to what Heather was saying, right? We are are obsessed with our healthcare professionals and I think our brand has become this community. So our community is our brand, our brand is our community. And so when we think about how did we come at this a little bit differently than the the companies that came before us. I mean, it was really about seeing our healthcare professionals as human beings. I mean, that is why we call them awesome humans. It's not just, oh, you come into your office, you come into the hospital and you're a sterile person and you're just here as a doctor or as a nurse or as a respiratory therapist or as a gynecologist. You are here as a whole human being and, and we are a company that stands for you and by you as you go out to do your work. And so I think that was a different way of seeing people. And it was a different way of seeing this industry that this community of healthcare professionals are the most incredible people on this planet. And what are they doing all day? They're helping patients 
and curing diseases and saving lives. And we as a company at Figs are, are going to stand alongside them. We are the brand for healthcare. We are the brand standing up for healthcare professionals. And so I think that's why it's different, why we're different. Yeah. And just to tack onto that, I think the reason why we did start this company, right? We started this because there was no company out there celebrating healthcare professionals. There was no company out there empowering healthcare professionals at all in any sector. And the thought process was, if we don't do this, if we don't celebrate the only people keeping us alive, right? They're it. Healthcare professionals keep us alive, whether they create vaccines, whether they help our animals, whether they're social workers, whether they're scientists, those are they're healthcare professionals. And if we don't support them, empower them, I don't know where we're going to be, right, in terms of the world. So I think that's our job. And we're super passionate about that. And that's where we're, we're here to inspire the current generation and also the next generation. So we inspire people to become healthcare professionals, which would be super cool. And so what is there to be said also about the space that you entered itself, you know, to suggest that selling only to healthcare workers as a limited opportunity is a poor way to interpret data. There are more than 20 million healthcare workers in the United States alone, which is the largest employment group of all sectors in the entire country, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. But at the same time, while you have drawn some comparisons to this company with your approach to technical fabric, you know you are not embarking on becoming the next, say, Lululemon in that most of the general consumer base will never be a customer, at least in how FIGS has chosen its focus in these first years of operation. How did you view that at the outset, this idea of, we're not joining a general marketplace that has unlimited potential, but is admittedly crowded, and instead we're joining a niche marketplace that is somewhat capped, but wide open for growth potential? Having a focus on a niche market is the way to go. I think you need to really hone in and focus on your customer. I'm just talking about business in general. And I think brands are a lot stronger when you do have kind of one singular customer base, right? So you can market efficiently, you can market the same way, you can brand everything the same to that one person. If you have like a denim company, right, you're marketing to everybody in the world. And I think that niche markets are actually the way to go. I think specific targeted markets are a lot bigger in terms of TAM than anybody would ever imagine because you're focused on that one customer group. And then also in terms of how we think about it, we'll have that healthcare professional. So we'll create product for them, we'll create tech for them, we'll create experiences just for them. And it's special just for healthcare professionals. It's not for a lay person on the street. We never want it to be because then that dilutes our brand or dilutes any brand for that matter. Yeah, and the only thing I would add to that is that, um, you know, what's so interesting about this industry is that, you know, it's a $12 billion industry in the United States. It's $79 billion globally. And there's this replenishment dynamic where healthcare professionals need their scrubs all day long and they come back over and over and over again to replenish them. And I think that dynamic in other industries, you're kind of acquiring a new customer and then that's it, right? Or maybe they come back every few years. You know, our customers are coming back every month, sometimes even sooner than that, every, a couple of times a month or a couple of times a quarter. And so that dynamic is really interesting. I mean, in 2020, over 60% of our net revenue was from repeat transactions. I mean, that is really unique as it relates to other apparel or other retail companies or industries. Can I ask a question about the price point of figs and how you came about that? Before we begin recording today, I did a rough survey of a handful of healthcare workers I know, some of them doctors, some of them nurses, 
And all of them said, figs are great. All the cool doctors or nurses wear them. They're incredibly comfortable. But they all said they're known to be expensive, or at least they're known to be expensive compared to traditional scrubs. Now, I can see through my screen here that you're both raring to answer this one, that obviously you believe figs to be a premium product and you want to establish it as a premium brand. But pricing a product the right way is almost an art, you could say. The sticker price of your goods really does signal to shoppers what type of brand you aim to be. Can you take us inside some of the conversations you might have had about how to price your goods in those early days? And maybe what you learned about how the retail price of your catalog has this power to dictate how you want people to perceive your brand in the marketplace? In terms of how we think about the brand, our job is to deliver greatness from a product standpoint. That's that's what we do. And the way we differentiated ourselves from the rest of the market was we really made great premium products. So the healthcare professional loves it, right? Loves it and it, it helps them perform better in their jobs. And how we price product is you look at a product and it's about value, right? So we, we give our, our healthcare professionals value for what they're receiving. So our quality is super, super, super high and we're still giving them value, right? It's still affordable, $38, $42. We're not doing a $100 scrub. So it's very, very, very affordable. That's how we think about it. And we're giving our health professional great value. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it, right? I think prior to figs, it was really about just manufacturing a product that was just so inferior and was really like a commodity, right? What we've also done besides branding and unbranded space was decommoditizing this, what many believed was a commodity product. And so when we talk about we've elevated and brought the highest quality components, the highest quality fabrications, brought real function, fabric technology, utility, you know, our pockets with our zippers, antimicrobial for anti-odor, wrinkle resistance, stain repellents, four-way stretch, yoga waistbands. I mean, these are all, this should have existed. You know, this is table stakes, bringing amazing products to these people that deserve it more than anyone. Healthcare professionals deserve amazing products that help them look good, feel good, and perform at their best. And the fact that we are able to bring all of this to this industry from a product standpoint and price at 35-ish for a top and 45-ish dollars for a pair of pants, I mean, it's super affordable and accessible for what we're offering. So Figs is, of course, a direct-to-consumer company at its heart. And you came of age at a time when there were some really smart, really big D2C brands laying the foundation for what is possible in this space. Now, admittedly, which certainly the two people on this call today had something to do with, what Fix has accomplished now may well have surpassed a lot of the early power players selling direct to consumer. But at the outset of your company, were there other D2C brands you looked toward as the model for what you saw Figs becoming? I think we've been inspired by a lot of amazing companies, Apple, in terms of design and solving problems. We're inspired by companies like Netflix, even what they've been able to do with personalization. Lululemon, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of companies make leggings, black leggings. There's only one Lululemon. And so I think there's a lot of uh, amazing brands in the world that are doing interesting things. And I think that's really when we set out to totally change and create a category. I mean, we not only disrupted an industry, we really created a new category. We are a lifestyle brand for healthcare professionals, outfitting them to work, at work, from work, on shift, off shift, head to toe. And that didn't exist. You know, prior to FIGS, it was a V-neck 
and a pair of drawstring pants. That was the industry. And so by creating a category that didn't exist, you really had to look beyond this industry in every single way, but even look around the world and, and what was happening in medicine. That was inspiring to us. Our healthcare professionals inspired this brand every single day. And what's happening in culture, what's happening in music, what's happening in art, really everywhere. Taking a quick break from our chat with Heather Hassan and Trina Spear to bring you a preview of the season finale of our show, something I promise you are not going to want to miss with Chris Saka. Chris is the co-founder of Lower Carbon Capital, but of course you know him most notably as the billionaire venture capitalist in those crazy cowboy shirts from his seasons on Shark Tank. Chris really is one of a kind. This will make even more sense when you hear the episode, but Chris joins us to talk about his new turn to environmentally conscious investment and frankly, all the money he is raking in with companies trying to make the planet better. He'll share some fun behind the scenes things from Shark Tank with us, including the secret of what really fills the drinking glasses in front of the sharks toward the end of long shooting days. And I asked Chris if he ever thought about the deals that got away from him. Here was his answer. I had dinner with Bill Gurley. He's been at this a long time and I really look for his long-term perspectives. And he's an investor I would love to have in every single deal I ever do. But I asked him, do you get FOMO when you see all these deals happening and these exits and these people getting rich? And he said, no, actually. And he's like, I talked to my team about this. He said, I get FOMO when I go back and look and we never heard about that deal in the first place. That was Chris Saka, the billionaire venture capitalist who heads up with good reason the season finale episode of our show. Before we get back to Heather Hassan and Trina Spear, this podcast is brought to you by Shopify Plus, the enterprise platform that powers the very best brands in the market, from Allbirds and Gymshark to Staples and Heinz. And I have a special announcement for you here today. What do the biggest brands have to say about influencing the next generation, selling globally and growing boldly? Commerce Plus is your chance to find out. Coming to your screen on October 13th, this online event from Shopify brings thought leaders and icons together for unfiltered talks on the future of commerce. Tune in live to hear from brands including Big Face, Bombas, Mented Cosmetics, and more and get ready to gain insight into upcoming Shopify products and go beyond what's possible. Register now, or if you're listening to this after October 13th, watch On Demand at Commerce Plus. That's commerceplus.shopify.com. Now, without further ado, let's get back to Heather Hassan and Trina Spear. One of the reasons I was looking forward to having you both on the show today, Heather and Trina, is that this is the first time we've had two guests at once and to be able to see the dynamic between a pair of co-founders in real time. Now, I'm not going to turn this into an episode of the newlywed game, but I want to see if we can explore this a little to see how you both operate together. Here's something I read in a Forbes piece on figs from 2020, and I quote here now. While the partners insist that they are not yin and yang, Hassan is the more creative of the two. Spear, who was captain of the varsity tennis team at Tufts before working at City and attending Harvard Business School, is buttoned up and hyper-focused. Now, that is an author's interpretation of how you two complement one another. Heather, maybe we'll start with you. How does a summation like that sit with you? We're both CEOs of this company, and we both oversee the entire company. I mean, a lot of people like to put you in boxes so they understand you. They understand your personality. It's like, okay, no, that's the finance one. 
Okay, that's the creative one. Just so they can understand, right? I think it's easier for most people to digest a, a human being when they can put them in a box. But we're not kind of box people. We think outside the box. I think that's what people say all the time. It's like finance, creative. But at the end of the day, as a CEO, you, you kind of got to have two, right? You got to kind of have the right brain and the left brain, or you should, especially when you're running a company that is a brand and product driven. I think that we do work very, very, very well together. And like I said earlier, we have the same vision with the same North Star. It's just kind of how we get there. And that's how we kind of work through things. But I think healthy conversations and healthy debates is awesome, right? That's like the fire. That's what like gets you going. I tend to work in the future a lot of the time, like I'm a couple of years out and Trina probably keeps the, keeps everything going. And Trina to follow, how would you describe how you and Heather complement one another at the company? The truth is brands, companies are evolving, living, breathing things. And people are really dimensional in how they think and how they show up in the world. And so I think we care so much. I mean, I think the dynamic is really that by having two people at the top that care so deeply, not just about the people that work at FIGS, but also this community that we serve, it's an incredible dynamic because it's like a board meeting every single day. We're debating, we're, we're talking through things, we're pushing back, okay, what about this? What about that? And that level of dialogue, that level of challenge at times, that level of collaboration is really unique. And I think one of the main amazing things around what's driven our success, I mean, we have incredible, incredible teams. It's not just about us. It's not just about two people. It's about all of the teams that fuel this passion and this mission and this purpose every single day. This is an open question to you both. And I'll kindly ask if I may for you both to answer this one. What's something you've learned from the other in business? You know, one thing I've learned from Heather is that you really can create the world you want to live in. And, you know, there are a lot of people that just take the world as it is. They take the, oh, this is the way it's always been. These are the standard documents. This is how it's done. And it's easy to kind of get caught up in that, right? Okay, that's the way that document is put together, or that's the way this garment is constructed, or that's the way you build out your brand campaign. And I think what's so incredible about Heather is how truly she doesn't live by that sentiment at all. Heather shows up in the world and says, why? Why is that? And has a level of curiosity about how she operates that says, why is it like that? Why does it need to be like that? And how can we change it? And it's that level of, of pushing back on the status quo and pushing back on how people think the world should be to how can the world be different and how should it be and how would it be if we did X, Y, or Z. And I think that's such a beautiful thing and it's something I've really taken on myself where why is it that way and how can we change it? I think I learned from Trina every day, right? I think when you work so closely with somebody, you're always learning and her background is so different from mine that I actually, I, I love it and I appreciate it so much, right? Wall Street's very, very different than being an entrepreneur your whole life. And I'm actually a very empathetic person, but Trina is extremely empathetic, more than anyone would think because she's from Wall Street, right? Was a banker, Blackstone, did all those Wall Street things that you do. But Trina is extremely empathetic and is really focused on how people feel, what the other perspective is all the time. And I really appreciate that. Instead of sometimes, right, for me, it's just like, go, just go. She's like, well, here's this perspective. 
here's this perspective. So I really appreciate that. And I stop and I think and I learn. But yeah, I think Trina always sees another position, which I value very much. This is my last question kind of on the dynamic between you two at your company, but co-founders of D2C Brands we see all the time, though the co-CEO arrangement is slightly less common. Even on this very show, we've had somebody like Tim Brown, the co-CEO of Allbirds, tell us plainly that he believes his company is better with two CEOs. Well, also we've had Philip Krim, who founded Casper along with four other friends who took senior positions with the company, but it was Philip who became CEO as the sole holder of that position. In your experience, what are the unique challenges and pressures to having two leaders at the top position of a company like yours? I mean, we really believe it helps us go faster, go twice as fast and do twice as much and show up for our community in bigger and better and more meaningful ways. I think having two different backgrounds, having two different perspectives enables us to not only create and innovate and define the future, but also show up with a level of operational excellence that's unparalleled. We don't accept mediocrity. We don't accept delay. We don't accept that's just going to be what it's going to be, right? We always are pushing the envelope. And by having two of us that are focused on different areas of the business, but also overlap at times to find synergy and find common ground, uh, I think it's an incredible dynamic that other, I would say, companies and industries should really think about. You know, I think it's a new framework that is really going to define the future of business. And you're seeing it more and more. More and more co-CEO dynamics are really breaking through and showing how successful companies can be. I think our success and a few other companies that you've mentioned are really proving out that this is the way it should work. And I also think that when you have two people at the helm, when you have two people at the top that care so much and go so deep you really can run a lot faster and you can be a lot more efficient. And I really truly believe that because we run really hard and really deep in our perspective categories. And yes, we both have received the entire company, but it's great. And I do agree, Trina, I think that there should be more twos at the helm so you can go a lot faster and be more efficient. You have to have the same vision and you also have to take your ego out of it. And I think that's one of the things that Heather and I have done throughout the history of this company is that it's not about us. It's about our people. It's about who we're serving. It's about the people that work with us every single day. I think there's at times that, you know, people say, oh, I can't believe there can't be two CEOs. There's one CEO because there needs to be one person telling people what to do. Well, that's an ego driven model. That's about them and that person and who they are. Our company is not about Heather Hassan and Trina Spear. Our company is about the awesome humans that are saving all of our lives right now. And so when you take your ego out of it and make it about the mission, and make it about the purpose of why you exist, why does your company exist, has nothing to do with the CEO or CEOs. And that's when you are really changing the game. I wanted to ask you an item about retail, if I could. Figs has, I think it's fair to say, dipped its toes in these waters over the years. You sell primarily through your e-commerce arm, but you've operated a few very successful pop-up shops, complete with lineups out the door, and you've done so either in close proximity to a major hospital or even in prime shopping real estate in Los Angeles. If I'm from a company listening to this and I want to know if pursuing a temporary retail activation is right for me, and maybe I'll ask you to be as specific and detailed as you can be here, but what advice might you give for how to run the best version of a pop-up store from start to finish? I mean, I think it's really about experience. Retail is changing and, you know, the pandemic has proven that e-commerce is here to stay and that 
shopping online is easy and convenient and seamless. But I think having that in-person experience is really important in terms of a place where your customers can go and feel and touch and experience your product in real life. And so our pop-up on Melrose in LA, our pop-up on Crosby Street in New York, they were incredibly impactful with our community and we're excited to do more going forward. Yeah, I think it was our healthcare professionals, they wanted they wanted something physical, right? They wanted to, to go into a store and, and have an experience like Trina said. And we we did it in our key areas where we are at home, which is Los Angeles, and then also New York City. And we made specific product for those retail stores. We put a lot of heart energy into those retail stores. And I think sometimes if people are trying to gauge if it's for revenues or if it's for brand, I think you kind of either could you should do both or you should pick a lane and just go in that direction. So if you're doing a pop-up for brand, then really actually give them that experience. If you're doing it for revenues, then maybe that's something else. We chose to to give our healthcare professionals an experience, so we did it for brand. Yes, do we have lines out the door, which is awesome, but that's how we kind of think about it. And, and we go all out in terms of like the design. We had in LA, we had actually, and we were right near a hospital. So be close to your customer. You have to be in front of your customer at all the time, you know, wherever they are, you need to be there. And we had these little bikes that were taking healthcare professionals from Cedar sinai all the way to our pop-up shop because it was only half a mile away and getting them back. So either at lunchtime or during their shift change, whatever it was, so they could come and have some French fries and champagne and some figs and then, you know, go back to work. Maybe not champagne during the day. But. While retail is one way to grow the business outward, so is expanding your global operations, which you have done by adding shipping to Canada, the UK and Australia so far. You have teased also in interviews of expansion further into Europe and the Middle East, but this is hard, right? You know, expanding globally is not often as simple as just adding more delivery routes with your courier of choice. What challenges has FIGS encountered with regard to expanding its global business that you might be able to offer some pointers on how to overcome? International expansion is a really important part of any great company and any great brand. I mean, we look to be a global brand for our healthcare professionals. You know, Jason, you mentioned it today. We're in Canada, UK, Australia. Uh, Those markets have been really incredible. There are healthcare professionals everywhere around the world, and we're super excited to bring figs to them. I think the challenges come to getting your technology right. So you could have that infrastructure in place, that foundation, so to be able to scale to new markets, ensuring that the experience, not only having a great experience at your pop-up shops, but having a localized experience for your customers in different countries is really important. Having a different site experience, having even different products, right, for different markets in different regions is really important. So international markets are different than the United States, depending on what you do and how you do it. And so we've been super focused on customizing and personalizing that experience for every, not only every market, but every healthcare professional. And I think it's in this day and age, this digital world that we're living in, in e-commerce in general, the more personalized, the more that experience is really truly for an individual human being, the better and more connected you are to your who you're serving. The New Balance sneaker is really cool. And for those that haven't seen this, Figs has partnered with New Balance since 2019 for a kind of cross-collaboration shoe as part of Figs' apparel catalog. Now, I have to think something like this is sort of mutually beneficial, On the one hand, Figs really gets to step into the mainstream, if you'll allow the wording, by pairing with a really established brand, while also New Balance gets plenty out of it too by aligning itself with one of the hottest names in D2C and accessing your large and loyal customer base. What are some of the questions a retail startup should be asking itself 
if it were to consider partnering with another older, more traditional brand like Figs did? It definitely has to be mutually beneficial for both parties. So we don't do shoes, right? We don't we don't make shoes. New Balance is excellent at making shoes. So it's you have to partner with a company that fills a void for either one, right? They don't have healthcare professionals, right? They don't have that audience. We do. So that was great for them. They thought, oh my God, this is amazing that we can now be introduced to the healthcare market through Fix, which they've never done that before. So any partnership at all definitely has to be beneficial for both parties and you have to complement each other. And I think what we did with New Balance that was really unique and interesting was just how incredible the shoe actually was. It wasn't just, oh, partner and partnerships never work if you just try to slap them together. I think a lot of intentional intent and focus went behind this partnership. We worked, Heather, how long did you work with the team, our design teams and theirs? Yeah, at least a year and a half, really. You know, our entire design team, we fly over to to Boston, we work with everybody. But yeah, it takes about at least a year and a half to really get it right and to really have a lot of focus groups. And I think partnerships should be really thoughtful from soup to nuts. And that's that's also fun. It's got to be fun. I have a forward-looking question, if we could. Figs has plenty of growth potential still in healthcare. There is lots of road ahead for you to cover. But something you have both been somewhat transparent about in interviews is the potential for new industries that may be a fit for what you've done with healthcare. Find a niche that could benefit from your approach in terms of style and function as it relates to apparel, and kind of try to reinvent uniforms and work clothing in another sector. To your minds, Heather and Trina, are there other industries or areas that might make the most sense for figs to look toward next? We have a long ways to go in terms of all our categories and our category expansion, right? So our goal, and I think Trina said this earlier on in the interview, why we're so different is because all these other healthcare apparel companies were, you know, a V-neck and a pair of drawstring pants. We are the entire system. We are the entire ecosystem of dressing a healthcare professional from head to toe. We haven't even gotten there yet, right? So what do you wear on shift? What do you wear off shift? What are you wearing commuting to work? So we have a ways to go reinventing this entire category before we even get to another niche category. And I think the uniform industry overall, though, is really broken. You know, if you look at chef and hospitality and police and fire and school and all of the different types of uniform categories, I mean, uniforms are really important. They're a symbol and they tell the world who you are and what you do. And in many ways, they're your identity. And so we look around and look at all these other industries and it's really unfortunate, right, that they are so lacking in design and functionality and in comfort. And many of the distribution models are broken as well. And so if there's any company that's going to go in and say, yeah, you deserve better and we're here to help you uh, and bring design and comfort and fit and functionality and a seamless experience, it will be fixed and we'll figure out the right time to do that. I will wrap up here shortly, but I wanted to finish here today with a few questions about how FIGS reaches and acquires its customers. You have an ambassador program, and of course, Figs is not alone in this. In your case, you recruit and sign up influential people in the healthcare space to help spread the word and advocate for your company, presumably in exchange for goods or some other form of compensation. As specific as you're comfortable being, can you share the mechanics of how your ambassador program works and any tips you might have for how to best run customer outreach like this? So our ambassador program is really incredible. Unlike many influencers that are essentially paid to take selfies, these are real healthcare professionals that are working 16, 24, 36 hour shifts 
and then are really utilizing the FIGS platforms to tell their stories, to talk about the ups and the downs of being a medical professional. The wins, we always say the wins are bigger. The wins are bigger in healthcare than, you know, running a marathon or running around, you know, running around a field. And so they have so much to say and they are so influential. They're the most influential voices in healthcare. And we're so proud that they're a part of our brand. We have about 275 ambassadors that are essentially mine and Heather's best friends. They call us and they call our teams when they're getting a new job, when they're starting a new position, when they're traveling to that next hospital. And it's such a meaningful relationship that is truly unique when you think about other ambassador programs or other types of influencer programs. And so we're really excited and proud of this group and super excited to continue to work with them. A last one for you, Heather and Trina. Figs has matured in many ways as a company and its marketing efforts are not apart from this trend. You have TV commercials now, huge billboards outside places like Cedar sinai Hospital in West Hollywood. So big time stuff, but you of course know that Figs must be fairly strategic in how and where it advertises itself because of some of the things we talked about earlier. At least today, not every consumer with a wallet is necessarily a potential FIGS customer because, of course, they may not be a healthcare worker. What is the thinking FIGS takes in growing its overall brand awareness to the larger culture while also ensuring it gets return on its larger marketing investments? That's a great question. I mean, it is important for our brand to be known to, obviously, people outside of healthcare. So the rest of the world can really support healthcare professionals, right? And really empower them, really celebrate them, right? That's the goal at the end of the day. But we are extremely strategic in our out of home. We're doing a very cool campaign actually right now, today, where we're in 40 hospitals and we are only in the parking lots or the cafeterias in hospitals. So this is really targeted for our healthcare professionals so they know, know who we are. If they've never met us before, here we go. We're in 40 hospitals around the nation. I think what we really try to do is still, since we only have 3% of the market share, focus on connecting with healthcare professionals any way we possibly can. So we're going to start there before even we get outside of probably informing lay people. And I would just say on, in terms of your comment about the return on spend, I mean, I think the unique thing about our brand and our community is that it's been almost entirely driven by word of mouth and driven organically, I think the hard way, the right way versus, you know, really being so reliant on Facebook and Google and how much do you spend or even on your out of home, how much you spend and what's that return going to be. Given so much of our company has been driven by just unpaid organic word of mouth, we're able to do more top of the funnel brand awareness type campaigns that, you know, really are centered around getting into the hearts and the minds of not only our healthcare professionals, but also younger people to inspire them to become like those people on the bill, like Anna Wilkinson, like Lexi Roberlard, right? Like Mauricio Gonzalez. We are inspiring the next generation to want to become healthcare professionals. And so that is a lot around how we think about marketing very holistically around how we can really change culture. We can change the paradigm around how people think about celebrities or athletes. Well, healthcare professionals uh, how we think about them, they're the new icons. They should be looked up to more than athletes or celebrities because they're saving all of our lives. And so shifting paradigms and changing culture and changing the way things are done and creating the future we want to live in, that's where we're focused. I want to thank our guests today, 
Heather Hassan and Trina Spear, co-founders and co-CEOs, have grown the Figs business more than 100% each year since its founding in 2013, and it is plain to see, quite frankly, why they have been so successful. They have been generous with their time today. Trina, Heather, this has been great. Thank you for being here on In Conversation with Shopify Plus. Jason, thank you so much, and thank you for being a partner for the past 10 years. All right. Thanks again to Heather Hassan and Trina Spear. And thank you again for listening. If you like what you heard today, I promise you our season finale is going to be one you have to come back for. Chris Saka, the billionaire Shark Tank venture capitalist, joins us. And much like Steve Madden was for us in season one, there is precisely no filter on Chris. He answers to no one. And he's going to be as candid and transparent as you can be about investing, his thoughts on some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, being on a text message relationship with Barack Obama. He has lots to say, I swear to you. To find more of our interviews with Damon John, the FUBU founder and another Shark Tank star, Dave Gilboa, the co-founder and co-CEO of Warby Parker, and Danny Reese, the president and CEO of Canada Goose, visit us online at inconversation.shopifyplus.com.